Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. in our second week of a series called When Pigs Fly, When Pigs Fly. And for some of you, maybe you don't know, we do have notes on the YouVersion app that you can follow along um, for all of our messages so you can feel free to fill it out um, on your phone. So if you're afraid like your parents going to get onto you for texting, just be like, oh, I'm taking notes, mom. Um, so easy, lighten up. Uh, but today, uh, last week we talked about pride, and it was one of the most quiet messages I've ever preached, um, because I think a lot of us realized like, uh, that, that we had pride issues that we didn't know about, and for sure for me was a, a, an eye-opening uh, topic for me to speak on. And today I'm going to be speaking, and I want you to do this with me, Foundation Church. I know we moved a week up. I told Casey, I don't feel like I ever moved back. Like, this is my sweet spot time frame. Um, it stays lighter out longer. I'm good with that. Um, but I want you to preach with me today. You can say, man, that dog will hunt. You know, you sunk my battleship, whatever you want to say. But feel free to preach with me today. You can even give me a hey. Um, but today I want to talk to you about what do you do? What do you do when you don't like where you are? What do you do when you're in a place and in a situation in life you weren't planning to be or you weren't planning to deal with? And here's what I do know about every one of us here is that all of us at some point are going to be in this moment. Right, All of us at this, at some point, are going to deal with this moment, no matter how good you plan, no matter how great at strategizing you are, no matter how great you are at putting a to-do list, there's going to be some things you weren't counting on that happens. There's going to be some things that life just unravels and situations occur that you find yourself at a place you're like, I, I, I was not ready for this. And if we were to be honest... You say, you know what, where I'm at in life, I just don't like, right? I, I just don't, I don't like this phase. I don't like this season. I don't like life right now. What do you do there? When uh, 2008 rolled around and we were getting ready to start Foundation Church, I was 32 years old, um, and I remember there were so many unknowns and the, the, we were pretty much starting completely over. We were renting a house in Jinx. Um, 
we were planning on starting a church. I was working at Starbucks. Some of you have heard that story before, and I'm not trying to keep, you know, bring it up. It's just my frame of reference that I have. And I remember taking Charlie to preschool. And as I'm taking her, I'm in Casey's Mazda protege that she got from, from high school graduation, right? This means that car is over 13 years old. Um, and it wasn't like the, 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 the luxury model of Mazda proteges, right? Um, it was cloth seats, and it was a point where the belts were all squealing, right? Especially when you stopped. There was wee, 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 you know, squealing, and everybody's looking, and the air conditioning wasn't working anymore, so you rolled the windows down, and you prayed to God that there was never a red light, right? Because you were just sweating. I remember taking Charlie... And we're going to her preschool, and, and we get there, and we got there five minutes early, which was awful, because now we just had to sit in a hot car with the belts going, and everybody's looking at us like, you know, you're, I know my belts are running, right? I, I know it's me. Um, and they're sitting there with their really nice car with air conditioning, right? Like, like oh, it must be nice to be rich and have air conditioning. Um, and I remember their kids are watching something in a minivan, like a TV show on the DVD player. And I remember Charlie just leaning up, and she's super sweet, didn't say it like a brat. She just goes, Dad, man, I wish we had one of those nice cars too. And I remember for the, for the first time, as a dad and as an adult person, being embarrassed, right? Because what I wanted to provide, I couldn't. What, what, I, what I thought my life was going to look like, it wasn't. And in that moment, and, and she, you know, I just like, yeah, Charlie, I wish we had a minivan too. No, um, I would rather drive. Anyways, um, some of you are like, I drive a minivan. That's your thing, right? We're all called to different things. Um, and so that's fine. That's your calling, not mine. Um, I still love this bumper sticker that says I used to be cool, right? There's all the minivans. Anyways, um, I'm sorry. I just offended like 50% of you here today. Um, they're really nice. They're really convenient. I get it. Don't talk to me after service. <laughs> um, anyways, um, I didn't have this problem first service. Some of you are sleepy. I don't know why. Um, hey, say that. That dog will hunt. Yes, there we go. Um, <laughs> Here's the deal is I remember, though, being so just frustrated with where I was in life. And I was angry, and I was upset, and I was scared, and I was embarrassed. And if I was to be honest, I didn't know what else to do. And today, I, I want to talk to you about being in that stage, feeling those emotions when life has, has led you there, where that is where life Yes, and, and today's message, here's, here's I'm, I'm not going to guarantee you anything. I'm not telling you this me message is going to fix that situation, right? I, I, I don't know how long that phase, I don't know how long that stage, this part of life is going to last. But what I do believe is that this message will bring ministry to you where you're at. Not where you pretend to be, but where you're actually at in life. Our text today is found in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 
through 27, what has occurred and what has happened is that the Israelites, Moses has come uh, to the Israelites while they were in Egypt. I think a lot of us know this story, probably most of us know this story, um, and, and he's come and delivered the Israelites after 10 plagues. Um, he's got like his staff, and God does all these amazing things, and he leads them across the Red Sea after God parts the Red Sea, and they walk across it, you know, and then he closes it in on the Egyptian army. Army, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that. And this is where we pick up in our text. The Red Sea has just engulfed the Egyptians, and the Israelites have gotten free of the Egyptians. And it says this, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. And we're going to come back to this because I want you to notice it wasn't that the oasis was called Marah, it was called that after they experienced the bitter water, right? So they called it Marah, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. So, so I would love to see how that played out, right? Like, they start griping at you, Moses chunks a piece of wood in, like, drink it now, like, right? Like, like that, like, okay, now it's sweet. Like, what? Um, who's the first guy that drank? That's, anyways, um. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the water. There's three things I want us to take from this text, and the first one is this. Don't forget where you've come from, and don't forget the significance of your deliverance. Don't forget where you've come from, and don't forget the significance of your deliverance. You know the Israelite story. I know the Israelite story. They've, they're three days removed from the Red Sea. Right? Think about this. They're, they're, they're just a few days removed from seeing all the plagues unfold. They're just a few days of being led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day by the presence of God. They're just a few days removed from God sending up a wall of fire to protect them from the evading armies of the Egyptians, right? And, 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 and crossing the Red Sea, not just crossing it, but crossing it on dry ground. God was in the details of the crossing, the details of their life. And now they're in the desert, three days removed from the Red Sea, and they're like, what the heck, Moses, right? They're like, what, what's the deal, Mo? What, where's the water at? We've been three days, and God hasn't done the miraculous, and what occurred and what happened is they got consumed with their now situation. And I would love to say, how dare the Israelites, but the truth is you and I do the same thing. Right, We get so consumed with what is happening now, with what's going wrong now, that we forget where all God has brought us from. 
Right? For hundreds of years, the Israelites cried out that God would send a deliverer, that God would send somebody to help them. He does it, and they get all the way out of Egypt, and the Egyptians are giving the Israelites all their money, right? Like all their jewelry, all their valuables are just giving the Israelites their money, their valuables as they're leaving Egypt, and they don't even get to hardly to the Red Sea. They're camping out. They're having this cool powwow, telling stories around the fire, and they see the Egyptians come. And what do the what did the Israelites do? They lose their minds, right? They lose their stuff. I mean, they just are like, why did we lead us out here, Moses? It would have been better if we would have just stayed in Egypt, right? They became a prisoner of their now. And many times you and I forget to reflect on all God has done. And when we fail to do that, we become consumed with all that isn't right now. And I understand you and I, we can't live in our past, but you and I, we better reflect on it. You and I, we better remember it because the simple truth is this. Many of us, we have minimized all God has done because of what we are facing now. And what I've discovered is when you're going through moments and times like the Israelites are, when you go through moments and times like I, where I was at in 2008, it either makes you draw closer or become bitter. It either makes you draw closer to the Lord or you become bitter at him. And your Mara moment, you stay stuck there in your Mara, Mara moment and God can't do the miraculous because of your attitude and grumbling. Don't forget the significance of your deliverance. Don't forget the faithfulness of God and where all he has brought you from. I say this all the time, but it's so true. Most of the time, we remember what we should forget, and we forget what we should remember. And for a lot of that, is, that is so true. We, we are remembering the very thing we need to let go of, and we're forgetting the very thing we need to hold on to, and that is the faithfulness of God. Today, if you're here and you say, you know what, I just feel bitter. I, I'm not drawing close and I am upset and I'm there. Hear me to this second point because this is so, so true. Most of us, we want the miraculous to occur, but we don't want to be in a situation that requires a miracle. Right? It, it's true. We want, we want the miraculous to occur, but we don't want to be in a situation that requires a miracle, right? Where's all the miracles at, Justin? Why doesn't God do the miraculous? Well, it's simple. We're never patient enough to let God act and to move on our behalf, right? We're, we're the impatient. We just put it on credit card and go into debt rather than waiting on God to open the door. We, we, we want God to do the miraculous, but when we're put in a situation that requires the miraculous to happen, you and I, and I'm in this boat with you. I wish I wasn't, right? I wish I was like, this is you all. Um, but I'm with you right now. Is I get mad and I'm like, how could God do this to me? Is it, isn't he listening? Isn't he, he knows what's best, but this isn't what's best for me, right? And we want to see the miraculous occur. And we love seeing, hearing about the miraculous, but you and I, we don't want to be put in a situation that requires a miracle. When my youngest daughter, Chloe, was tiny, 
Um, we used to wrestle. Now she's getting too strong. And um, some of you are like, she's a girl. I'm telling you, um, I'm not raising little princess girls. They will kick your face in. Um, and they, they fight cheap. They, anyways, um, so I remember when we would wrestle, and I would get her, and I would just, I would just, at the point where I was ready for her to like leave me alone, I would. You get to that point, admit it. You get to that point, you're like, okay, I'm done. Um, here's the death move. I would just hold Chloe to where she couldn't move, and when I did that, she's like anybody. She would start losing her mind. She would start freaking out, and she would be like, I, I can't move, and it would start. You know, her voice would get louder. I can't move. I can't breathe. You know, and then this was the, this was the top all. I'm getting. Sh- sweaty like that and when she said I'm getting sweaty right like with her lisp it was it was done you had to let her go or there was going to be counseling moments that we were going to have to have and take her to a children's counselor Um, but but here's what Chloe never did she didn't just say you know what well I guess I'm stuck I'm sweaty and I'm stuck no she kept moving She kept fighting because just being stuck in a situation that she hated wasn't an option. But for some of us, you feel stuck, and instead of fighting, and instead of crying out, and instead of seeking what God has for you, and instead of waiting for God to do the miraculous, you just want to stay in your Egypt. And here's what I believe really happens for us, for a lot of us. Many reasons we stay stuck is because a known bondage is more comfortable than an unknown freedom. For a lot of us, the reason we stay stuck, the reason that the Israelites, the first sign of trouble, that they needed a miracle to happen outside of Egypt, they wanted to go back to Egypt because they knew Egypt, right? They knew what they were going back to. And a known bondage was a lot more comfortable to them than the unknown things that God was leading them to. And some of you, that's where you're at. And the reason you feel trapped and the reason you feel stuck is because you have to know how it's all going to work. And can I tell you, God, in the most part, when he does the miraculous, never spells out the how. He gives you what to do, and it's his job to come up with how it happens. And some of you, you are not stepping towards your what because you can't see the how. And as a result, you're staying stuck in your known bondage instead of stepping out into an unknown freedom that God has for you. But if you feel stuck, hear me, because this is the good news. Some of you are like, this is a really encouraging message. Awesome. Um, If you feel stuck, hear me, God can turn a place that is bitter to you in a sweet spot for you, right? This is what God does. This is what he did in Mar. This is what he did for the Israelites. He took a spot and he turned a place that was bitter to them into a sweet spot for them, into a place that brought refreshment, into a place that brought life, into a place that kind of let them regroup and see that God was still in charge. Can I tell you, God, the, the, the miraculous happens in the mess, that in the middle of your mess, that is where the miraculous 
happens. It was after Lazarus died that the miraculous could occur. It was after Jairus' daughter passed away the miraculous could occur. It was when they had 5,000 people that were listening to Jesus, and Jesus is like, you know what? Let's feed them. And then he asked his disciples, what do we have? And they said, we got a couple of breadsticks and some fish fillet sandwiches from McDonald's. What are we going to do? And he said, the miraculous happened in the mess. And what is true for the Bible is no different than when it comes to your life. There's a miracle that can happen in your mess. What Satan wants to make a bitter place and a place where you get angry and bitter and upset and frustrated and depressed and just want to give up if you will wait on God. And if you will allow God, he can make that bitter place a sweet spot in your life. But how does that happen, right? How? Because you're telling me it can happen, but how does it happen? Let's go back to our text. Exodus 15, verse 24 through 25 says, Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. Right there it is. The people complained and Moses cried out. The people complained about what was going on. The people complained about the situation. The people pouted about what was going on. But what did Moses do? He turned to somebody that was actually able to do the miraculous. And for some of you, you're stuck complaining and griping and being upset. And everybody knows about your situation. Your parents know, your kids know, your, your, your ex knows, your boss knows, your employees know, your coworkers know, your neighbors know. All the neighbors and all the family at family reunions know about your problems because you keep complaining. And can I tell you, at some point, you got to stop complaining and griping, and you've got to learn to cry out to somebody that is bigger than you. You can either pout about it, or you can seek God about it. You can either complain about it, or you can cry out about it. If the difference is going to happen, and if it's ever going to be become a sweet spot, you've got to learn to cry out instead of complain about. There's a big, big difference. And when you decide to cry out, you let somebody into the scenario and the situation that is actually able to fix it, right? To actually able to fix it. And this is what I love because I'm a guy, right? So my wife will talk to me and be like, I don't need you to fix it. I just want to listen. I'm like, oh, no. You know, I'm just like, because I'm like, just do this. Just do this one thing. Just do it. I don't want you to say that. Just here's the deal. When you go to God, don't just complain about it. Ask him and open the door. Okay, well, how, however you want to fix it, fix it. If it's throwing a piece of wood in the middle of my situation that's going to make it sweet, it's never been done before, right? Never been done before in the history of the Bible where a piece of wood was thrown into water and it became sweet. Stop boxing God into your expectations and let God be God. Let God do immeasurably above beyond what you could ever ask, think, or imagine, because here's what I can tell you, and what you've got to make sure doesn't happen when it comes to where you're at dealing with the situation you find yourself in when life isn't what you expected. Don't let the situation change your name. Don't let the situation change your 
name. The oasis wasn't called Mara until they came to a place where they experienced the bitter water. And because they experienced the bitter water, they named it Mara, meaning bitter. They, they determined the name based on what they experienced. They let the situation identify the name. Here's what I love is that in the Bible, Mara is only found one other time. There's only one other time the word Mara is found, and it is found in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, by a lady named Naomi. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. And Naomi, if we were to be real honest, had a really hard plot in life. In just a matter of years, Naomi loses her husband, and then she loses her two sons. Not just loot like they're gone, right? Like he gone. Um, not like where'd they go? Like he gone. Like, and the problem is this: is that when you were in biblical times, if you were a woman in biblical times, you couldn't support yourself. You needed somebody else. You needed a man. I know it's sexist, right? Like you're like, what a sexist thing to say. I'm just telling you what the Bible said with your minivan. Um, just he. <laughs> You had to have a man to have somebody to provide for you. And so Naomi tells one of her, 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 her daughter-in-laws, Opal, she actually tells Ruth and Opal to go ahead and just leave, right? Just leave me. Opal's like, okay, peace out. See ya. I'm out, right? And, and I got to tell you, man, here, here's the deal. If people, this isn't even my sermon, but when you're going through situations where life didn't feel like like what you thought it was going to feel like and be like what it was going to be like. Man, if people can walk from you and not go through the fire with you, let them walk. Let them go. God's sending you a roof. Let your opal go, man. God will send somebody that will walk through the fire and the hard times with you. That's not my sermon. But here's what happens is that they come into Bethlehem, and it's found in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. It says, so the two women went on their way to Bethlehem, and when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Naomi let the place and let the situation change her name. She let the situation rob her of her identity. And, and, and man, if you haven't been tuning in, maybe you're watching at home, lean in on this. Hear me. You are not what you are going through, right? You, you are not what you are going through. You are not what you are going through. Some of you watching at home, you couldn't even come to church today because you just feel so bad. You are not what you are going through. You may feel like you have failed, but you are not a failure. You may feel broke, but you are not broken. You may feel disappointed, but hear me, you are not a disappointment. You may feel let down, but you are not 
a letdown. You may feel inadequate, but you are not inadequate. You may feel beaten and defeated, but you are not a loser. You may feel like quitting, but hear me. This morning, you are not a quitter. You are not what you are going through. But the Word of God says this, you are a child of God, according to John 1, verse 12. You are a friend of Jesus, according to John 15, 15. You are redeemed by, according to Romans 3, 24. You are not a slave, but an heir, according to Galatians 4, 7. You are free, according to Galatians 5, 1. You are Christ's representative as his ambassador, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 20. You are the light of the world, according to Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And you are more than a conqueror, according to Romans 8, 37. You are what you're going through. So don't let the situation you're facing steal your identity and change your name. Hear me, you may be divorced, you're not a failure. God has redeemed you and he has a new story. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Stop making God write what you want on the pages of his of your life and let him be the true author of your story. But here's the deal. If the situation and if the circumstance doesn't dictate who I am and doesn't dictate my identity, there's got to be something that does, right? When I go to the airport, I could check in as one of my old nicknames, right? I could be like, yes, yeah, Skeletor Graves here um, to check into flight, you know, 501. And they're going to look and be like, hey, um, sir, you know what? Your Skeletor doesn't match Charles Justin Graves. And I'm going to be like, you're right. I'm Charles Justin Graves. Why? Because there's something more, uh, there's something that has more authority than my past nicknames. Can I tell you, there is something that has more authority that says who you are than your past, than your nickname, than what people have called you, than what people have said you were, than what your mom and dad said you would never be, than what your situation said you would be. And it is the word of God. It is the paper that is in this Bible, this word, and it says you are his and you're more than a conqueror. Don't you let what you're going through make you into taking a title that was never yours to take on. It's not about what you can do, but it's all about what he can do. If you're in your mess, hear me, in your mess is the setup for the miraculous where pigs eventually fly. Hear me this morning. God has something for you, and you may not want to be in the situation that takes the miraculous, right? It wasn't that God was, uh, Moses was distant from God, but God didn't say, Moses, you're going to come to a place where you will never need a miracle. No, Moses kept taking steps of faith that required the miraculous to happen. Can I tell you, man, God wants to do that in your life. And if you're here, don't let the situation steal your identity. Don't let the situation label you. You are not what you are going through. But let it be a sweet spot. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you. And God, I pray that you would do the miraculous in this place, in this moment. That, that Lord, there would be a moment that we have with you. A moment that we have with you, Holy Spirit, that you would change lives.
and change hearts. It's, it's in Jesus' name. With, with heads bowed, eyes closed in this place, before we go any further today, if you're here, and you say, Justin, I'm here, and, and reality is when you said you can draw closer or you can become bitter, that's me. And I've become bitter, and I've griped, and the, the, if I was to be honest, I've drifted. I've drifted in my relationship with Jesus. I know where I'm at isn't where I should be. I know where I'm at my relationship needs to change. I just haven't. And today, before we go any further, before we dismiss, we want to give you that moment for that change to happen. Today, maybe you're here and maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, this is your moment. This, this is your moment that the greatest miracle that will ever happen in your life is right here and right now. So when I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to, I, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? There's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And I want to join these three hands that are lifted before I go any further in service. Man, before, before this moment passes me by, I want to join these three hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else? You may be at home watching online, and I would just invite you, raise your hand right where you are at home. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I, I, I confess, I readily admit where I'm at isn't where I should be. God, that I've drifted, that my relationship with you isn't what it ought to be. And God, I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I, I turn from the life that I was living, and I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. Jesus, I confess you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed, eyes closed still. Today, if you say, you know what, Justin, as you're speaking, man, I feel stuck. If I was to be honest, I, I feel embarrassed. I feel hopeless. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm confused. And I'm in a Mara moment right now. I'm at a place that it, if I, it's just a little bitter. And I, I need this bitter place to become a sweet spot for my life that's you right where you are I'm not going to embarrass you but I just want you to raise your hand if that's you just yeah you just need you need God to turn a better place into a miraculous place yeah you say Justin that's me is, is there anyone else yeah there's hands all over this place you say Justin that's me I, I just I, I need 
this bitter place to become a miraculous place, a, a place where the miraculous is birthed. Is there anyone else? You join these hands that are lifted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there, is there anyone else before we go any further? You say, Justin, that is me. I'm praying right now that right now in this place, there is a moment that you have with your relationship with God, that right now hope is realized. If you raise your hand, man, well, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we come before you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And that in the midst of all these emotions we are feeling, that Lord, when your presence comes in, it changes everything. Lord, the moment you enter the situation and the equation, the equation changes. And so Lord, I pray that in this place, hope would be realized. That Lord, for the first time in some of these people's lives, they have lived hopeless. Lord, void of hope, void of being optimistic, void of dreaming, because Lord, this is the reality of my Mara moment. This is the reality of where I'm at. I've been in the desert for three days and I don't see a source of water. And right when I get my hopes up, I'm just disappointed. But God, I pray that you would do the miraculous and that you would make this bitter place a sweet spot in their life. That Lord, in the middle of a mess, the miracle would occur, that the miraculous would be birthed in our very place of need. And God, I pray that you would guard their heart and you would guard their mind, that Lord, this situation would not steal their identity, that we would realize that we are not what we are going through. We are not what we have experienced, but we are what your word says we are. We are who you say we are according to the word that never returns void, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word says, but the word of God will stand forever. Lord, I pray that we would have a moment with you and that, Lord, you would do the miraculous, that, Lord, in the very part and aspects of our life that we think it's impossible, Lord, I pray that you would make pigs fly. (laughs) Lord, that you would make impossible things occur, that we think are hopeless, Lord, I pray that right now, right here, you would speak to us about what we are to do. And God, I pray that we would have the courage to take the step away from our Egypt into the what? Lord, move, work, and do the big things. Do the miraculous thing. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.